0: You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast.
1: For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you guys. Oh, hello. Okay, so to start things off, as I was standing backstage, I was... uh, I don't know if I was praying or thinking. It's been that kind of a week. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I've been sick this week, so mentally I've not been all there. Even today I'm not mentally all there, I, but I have God's spirit with me. But I realized backstage that I totally forgot to add the notes to the app. So I apologize. And, and, and I, I thought, you know what? Should I just let them figure it out on their own or should I tell them? and reduce the fiddling, like, where is it? So it's not there. But hopefully you guys have a notes app or a notebook um, that you can use, but I apologize for that. Do you guys forgive me? Okay, thank you. Thank you. I just wanted to start things on a resolve note. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so it's good to be together. We are continuing our series in the book of Acts titled Spirit-Filled People. And I love the book of Acts because we see the Holy Spirit at work. It is really the acts of the Holy Spirit that we see as the first century church is being built up. And there are uh, more and more disciples being made and joining in to the body of believers. Today we're going to look at Acts chapter 10. And let me turn this on. We're going to look at Acts chapter 10 and we're going to look at a guy named Cornelius. And Cornelius is this Roman centurion. He's in charge of a hundred soldiers, and that is called a regiment. And he's in charge of the Italian regiment. And so he is very much um, uh, a, a prominent figure in the, in the Roman government, in the in the army. And so we're going to look at his life in Acts 10. This chapter is incredibly important to the rest of God's movement um, from the first century church to today. But we're not going to focus on the whole chapter uh, because in the, in the next few sermons we're going to look at how God takes the good news of Jesus and not just with the Jews but also to all nations from, through the Jews and from the Jews. And that's in this chapter, um, Cornelius is the first Gentile The first one outside of the Jewish people, the nation of Israel, to hear the good news, to receive the good news, and choose to follow Christ. Hugely important chapter, but we're going to focus just on the man Cornelius today. So let's turn over to Acts chapter 10, verse 1. I'm actually going to say a quick prayer that God would keep the, the coughing away. Um, God, we thank you for this time together. Thank you for your word. It is powerful and it endures forever. And it is an honor to be able to read it, and to be able to share it with each other. And I pray that you would open up our eyes to whatever it is that you're trying to speak to us today, to focus on in our lives, um, to be more like Christ in whatever area. God, please help us to be attentive to you. And uh, God, thank you for leading us with your spirit. God, I know that uh, I, would be, I would be so lost. I would be making all kinds of mistakes, more so than I already make, if it, if it weren't for you in my life and my relationship with you. So thank you, Lord. I pray that we would go deeper in our relationship with you today, that we grow stronger in our relationships with one another today, and that you would be honored. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we're going to read verse 1 through 8, Acts chapter 10. It says, at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what is known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked, the angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. So when, you, uh, when, you're, when you're having a conversation with someone and you, you say, hey, tell me about this person. Tell me some of the, their standout qualities, things about their life that stand out to you. The first things that they say are usually the first things that stand out, are the main qualities of their life. And the way that Cornelius is, is described is admirable. It says, he and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. Cornelius, this dude who is in charge of a hundred soldiers in the Roman army, is known for his generosity. He's known for praying to God regularly and for setting a standard for him and his family that that is different than the standard throughout the Roman Empire. I admire Cornelius because he did not look to his peers and his counterparts as his standard. Amen. He went against the norm of Roman society and the pagan world and devoted himself and his family to God. Our life reflects the standard that we have. Cornelius didn't know Jesus yet, but later on in this chapter, he gets to know Jesus through Peter. And when he finds out that there is an even higher standard, that being Jesus, he receives the Holy Spirit, he gets baptized, and he commits his life to that standard. And so he, he stands above many others in the culture and the society that he's in. He didn't look to his neighbors and say, oh, I can just kind of fit in with them. His standard was higher. And I want to speak to the men for a second. The manliest men that I know are those whose standard is Christ, who live like Christ, who speak like Christ, who think like Christ. Those are the manliest men I know. It doesn't matter how strong they are physically. Those are the manliest men. And men of all stages, whether you're married or not. We see Cornelius. He has a family. He's married. Whatever stage of life you're in, wherever you find yourself men, we ought to lead our families and our coworkers, our friends at school, our girlfriends, anyone we come in contact with, we need to lead them by making Jesus our standard for life. Right. We can try to force people and persuade people to follow Christ, but the most convincing proof is the conduct of our lives. In Joshua chapter 24, we have Joshua who followed in Moses' footsteps and led the nation of Israel into the Promised Land. And he's speaking to a large group right here. And he's saying in in chapter 24, verse 14, Now fear the Lord and serve Him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Man, this needs to be our mantra. Again, whatever stage of life you're in, as for me and my household, as for me and my friends, as for me and my coworkers, and the company that I keep, we will serve the Lord. Amen? Amen. So, as spirit filled people, Jesus is our standard. Amen. And thinking about standards, students, maybe you can relate to this. If you're a student and you're aiming to get an A, whether it's on an exam or in a class, you're aiming to get an A and you end up getting a B. You're like, okay, there's some minor tweaks that need to happen. Not so bad, but I could do better. But if you aim to get an A and you get a C, you're like, wow, what happened? Where did I go wrong? Did I miss some classes along the way? Did I miss a chapter? What happened? It's shocking. When your standard is up here and you land down here, it's noticeable. When your standard is Jesus and you aim to be like him and then you sin, it's not like, oh, okay, that wasn't so bad. It could be worse. Instead, it's, man, I really missed the mark. I was aiming for Jesus, and then somewhere along the way, Satan got me. I got to figure out where he got me, because this is so far from what I was aiming for. Disciples, is your standard still Jesus? Is your, has your standard become the most spiritual person you know? Has your standard become the best version of yourself? Or maybe better than you were yesterday? Or better than your coworkers? Or better than your classmates or your teammates? Better than you fill in the blank? But if our standard is Jesus, then we look to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, that says, We fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We fix our eyes on Jesus because we all know. That when we fix our eyes on ourself, or when we fix our eyes on our spouse, or our roommate, or our kids, or anyone else, things get messy. And we start stumbling. We start getting frustrated. And we're like, man, this isn't where I want to be. But when we fix our eyes on Jesus, we live like Jesus. And with Jesus as our standard, we can ask the question, what would Jesus do? Right? Right? You guys, remember, you guys remember the bracelets? I got one right here. You guys remember these? Yeah. So we're actually selling them today, if you guys want to have a little throwback, um, for a dollar, and then we're just going to give the money to Hope. But this is a great reminder. What would Jesus do? We also have the Holy Spirit as the best reminder. As we're entering situations and conversations and we're going to our workplace and we're coming back home and wherever we find ourselves, the Holy Spirit is prompting us. What would Jesus do? How would Jesus respond right now? How would Jesus listen to this person? How would Jesus just be at peace? How would Jesus spend time with his Father? The Holy Spirit is prompting us. The other day, you know, I was, again, I was sick this week. And so I was, uh, I was a little bit more just kind of mellow. And I, I, I let some things go with our kids. <laughs> and so... So I was, I was getting some, some dinner ready, and, and I was like, kids, clean up the, clean up the living room. We're going to eat uh, dinner after you finish uh, cleaning. And so then I'd look back as I'm getting it ready, and they haven't done anything. They're playing. They're rolling on the couches. So I was like, kids, we're not going to eat until the living room is cleaned up. Let's get going. And so then I come to the table with the food, and they're still rolling around. Not a toy has been cleaned up. And so I was like, you know what? I've never done this, but hopefully it works. I'm like, guys, I'm going to start eating. And when you guys have cleaned up, you can come join me. <laughs> and so immediately, Zeke starts cleaning up the toys. And he gets a lot done very quickly. I was like, OK, Zeke, you can come join me. Let your brother and sister finish the rest. And so then, so then Levi kind of clues in like, oh. And so then he starts cleaning up some toys. Our sweet baby girl is still doing her thing. And, and so then Levi and Zeke are at the table, and I'm about to pray. And Carrie's starting to get sad and frustrated in the living room because she has these toys to clean up. So and so, <laughs> yeah. And so, wait, let me get a drink of water. So we're about to pray, and Zeke gets out of his seat and starts walking back to the living room. I was like, wait, dude, where are you going? And he, he said, oh, it's so much work for her to do by herself. I'm going to go help her. <laughs> like oh my gosh and so so immediately when he goes over there and starts helping her like she just like lights up she's like oh Zeke (laughs) and then she starts they they clean so quickly and her her attitude totally changes she's so obedient and they come to the table and I I told I was like Zeke what you just did is exactly what Jesus would have done he would have helped your sister Carrie clean up her toys good job buddy and it was, it was convicting, but it was also inspiring. But this is the standard of, of Jesus, and it's ingrained in kids' hearts. When our standard is Jesus, again, the question that, that the Holy Spirit keeps asking us is, what would Jesus do? And the Spirit is always leading us to live like Christ. I wanted to share a few stories from our guys in the teen ministry Caleb, Dell, and Andy. All three of these guys, have, uh, they've been baptized in the last six months, have become disciples, they've committed their lives to Christ, and they have, they have experienced some, some situations where uh, they were called to the standard of Christ and if they were going to carry it out or not. And with Caleb, he had talked to his, his parents about uh, a situation at school, and then he talked to me about it. And there was this guy who was just saying stuff about him behind his back. And it was, all, it was all lies. And so he was, he, I was giving him some scriptures. I, I read in Romans 12. Uh, when your enemy is thirsty, give him something to drink. When he's hungry, give him something to eat. In doing so, you'll heat burning coals on his head. Um, but I, I just said, love him like Christ, because there's obviously something going on in his life. Right. There's some, there, some way that he's hurting or insecure, and he needs the love of Christ. Yeah. And... And if you have an opportunity to talk to him, then do so. And so two days later, he comes, it was last week, he comes to me at church and he's like, hey, I talked to him last night after our band competition. I was like, wow, I did not expect that quickly. And even as I was giving the advice, I was like, man, I'd be nervous to confront him. And and he said, yeah, I just, I asked him, I was like, hey, is there, is there anything that I can do for you? Any ways that I can help you, be a friend? And. Immediately, the guy broke down and was like, man, I'm so sorry. Like, all the things I said about you, I was, honestly, I was just jealous of you. And I, I didn't mean them. I'm sorry I said them. And they're friends now. They, apparently, they text, and they're, they're friends. But I'm proud of Caleb for taking his stand and, and, and living out the standard of Christ. With, with Del, um, a few days before he got baptized, he had, had, he had a study with his parents and called me up afterwards, and I said, you know, how'd it go, and kind of where are you, where are you at in this decision to follow Christ? And he said, he said, I want to get baptized. I'm ready. I was like, okay, well, what changed? Because there, hesita- there was some hesitations. And he said, you know what, after the study, I was praying, and it, and it hit me. I don't have to show up to baptism perfect. I don't have to have everything in order when I get baptized. That is the start of a committed life to Christ. I was like, yeah, that's exactly it. It's awesome. Um, and, and then with Andy, Andy Seberg, heard stories about him just encouraging the, the adults in his mission point with scripture, with words of encouragement, st- stuff that's going on in their life. And he's also, man, he has said no to countless inv- invitations to parties at his school. Uh, so much so that I, I'm like, what are you doing tonight? He's like, I, I don't know, I got nothing to do. I've been invited to parties, but I'm not going to go to them. He'll ask people, is there going to be alcohol there? Yeah, okay, I'm not going. <laughs> and, but that stand, as a freshman in high school, That's right. he is standing up for Christ. Yeah. Proud of these guys. Yeah. 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 I wanted to, this was a post that Mufid, our brother in Lebanon posted on Facebook a few days ago. And he was having a, a roundtable men's group. And this is what he posted. Am I a disciple of Jesus or a Christian? Am I someone who adheres completely to the teachings of Christ, making them the rule of my life and conduct? Or is Christianity only a label on my ID card? Many people hear the word disciple and think it means only follower. But genuine discipleship is a state of being. This suggests more than studying and applying a list of individual attributes. Disciples live so that the characteristics of Christ are woven into the fiber of their beings as into a spiritual tapestry. Jesus is our Lord and Savior. It is not logical to have him save us when we don't allow him to lead our lives. He should be Lord on all aspects of our lives. Salvation is not an easily gained path like many claim. Jesus was quite explicit about the cost of following him. To be Christians means to have a totally committed life. Any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. Luke 14, Sacrifice is expected. Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Matthew chapter 16. This is worth posting on social media. Yeah. Right? And this is coming from someone, and he has shared stories with us. This is coming from someone who is facing persecution in many of the countries in the Middle East, facing life or death circumstances when they're sharing the good news about Jesus. And so to have this, I mean, he could have so many excuses, but Jesus is still his standard, regardless of the circumstances. I want you to try to think of a time... When you did something that seemed crazy, but you knew it was what Jesus would do. Or maybe you said something that made you so nervous, but you knew it's what Jesus would say. Think of a time when Jesus was your standard in a moment of extreme boldness and you followed him. What happened? What did it do for your faith? How did it make you feel? And how did it impact others? I want to share a few stories that just immediately came to mind. There was a time that I was walking across campus at Colorado State University. I was with a freshman who was a part of our campus ministry. And he was, uh, by nature, I am a conflict avoider. So in approaching someone or a group of people and talking about Christ... It's not like, yeah, let's do this. It really takes, I'm like, okay, i got to follow the spirit here. This is not natural. Right. But I was like, you know what, I need, I need to be bold because this is what Jesus would do. And I, I need to set this example for this freshman who's even more timid than me. And so we walked up to the CSU men's soccer team. And they were getting their shin guards on, their cleats on for practice. And we invited, we just, hey, can we get your attention real quick? We want to invite you guys to our Bible talk on campus. We get together, we talk about the Bible, we'd love to have you guys join us. And one guy, they, they like just turned their heads and didn't even respond. One guy was like, hey, I'm interested, can I get the information? And he didn't come around and I didn't see him again. But that we walked away and we felt lighter. We felt like we just did something that Jesus would have done. Um, there was, there was a homeless woman that, uh, that was, does anyone know Bacon Broil, the restaurant in Long Beach? Yeah. So good. Bacon Broil. <laughs> um, and so we used to live down there. Kath- we weren't married yet. Catherine was uh, living with her folks. I was living with some guys in the singles ministry. And so I dropped her off at home, and I was driving back to my place, which is like a half mile away. And I went past Bacon Broil. It was like 10 o'clock. And there was a woman laying up against the wall underneath one of the bacon broil awnings, and she was cuddled up, homeless woman. And and I just felt compelled to stop and talk to her. And I was like, I, I approached her very cautiously because I didn't want her to be scared of me, like this man approaching me at night. Um, and so I, from a distance, I said, is there anything I can do for you, any, any way that I can help you? Is there anything I can go get for you? And And I don't know if she answered me right in the moment, but she wanted to talk. And so I just sat down and, and I talked to her for like a half hour. We're just sitting on the sidewalk talking. And, and then I went and got her a, a hot chocolate and a bar. And when I got back, she was asleep. So I just left it there. And to me, I was like, I want to do this more often. This is, this is how Jesus lived his daily life. This wasn't just a blip in his life. This was daily. His interactions with people and how he treated people. And one... Um, one way that, uh, kind of a, a bold move that, that, um, that was a, a turning point in my life. After a season of drinking and just totally wandering from God, I was, there was a night of, of drunkenness, and I, I was like, I need to confess this to my campus minister. I need to get this out in the open. This is not who I want to be, and this is not who I committed to being. And so I talked to him, and, and he gave me some direction, and, and he was very frank with me. And uh, in the next few days, I decided to fast from uh, alcohol, to not drink alcohol till I got married. I wasn't dating at that point. <laughs> I wasn't close to marriage at that point, but I was like, and I told Catherine, because we were talking on the phone, we were building a friendship. I, told, I said, I'm, I decided this because every time I drink alcohol, I make poor choices. And so I'm not, I don't know how, how long it's going to take for me to get married, but, um, but I'm not going to drink until then. And that completely set a, tra- a different trajectory for my life. Yeah. All the friends that I had been hanging out with up to that point, I just kind of I, I went away from them. Not, not because I didn't like them, I, I lived with them. Um, but our lives were completely different. That was the unifying factor, going out together. And and that was a huge turning point. I'd, I, would not, I don't think I'd be standing here right now if I hadn't had that talk with my minister and if I hadn't made that decision to, for Jesus to be my standard again. And my minister, Hans Rasmussen, he called me back to Jesus, and we have to call each other back to Jesus as a church. As a faith family, our standard has to be Jesus collectively. Any other standard leads to what Jesus said when he said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And there's a guy in the Bible, we know him well, Paul, whose heart yearned for Jesus, to be like him, to know him, to be Jesus as much as he could. And in uh, Philippians chapter 3, if you guys want to turn there, at this point he's writing this letter to a church in Philippi, And by this point, he has been a disciple for almost 30 years. Has anyone been following Christ, committed to Christ, Jesus as your standard for 30 years? Amen. That's amazing. So this this is Paul. And this is his mindset. This is how much he yearns for Jesus after 30 years of following him. In Philippians chapter 3 verse 7. He's just talking about, he was just talking about how he is like the poster child Jew, um, that he, I mean, no one beats him in Jewish standards. And then he says this in verse 7. But whatever was my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, garbage, trash, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all of this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Brothers, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of this, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. This is Paul after 30 years, and he still looks at his life and he says, everything besides Christ, everyone besides Christ, Is garbage, it's rubbish if I can't have Christ. If I can't be like Christ, if Christ is not my standard, then nothing matters. 30 years. Where are you at today in your standard for living? I want you to think, Think of one area in your life or a relationship in your life where God is calling you to live like Jesus, calling you back to this standard. Maybe maybe you've slipped uh, or maybe you just haven't taken that step. But where is God calling you to focus your attention and be more like Jesus in that area or in that relationship? For me, this last week, again, I'll say it, I was sick. And in my mind, I use that as an excuse for having little snacks of time with God. Like, I'm tired my, mentally. I'm not there. I need to go rest. And so I was thinking about it like, my time with God, this, I did not have quality time with God this week. And, and I thought about the, the Lord's Supper, the, the last supper with his disciples and Jesus. And if Jesus was sitting at that table this week, and, and it was me and him. I would just walk past the table, grab a snack, and hey, Jesus. But I didn't sit down with him. I didn't listen. And so to, for me, one area that God is absolutely calling me to, to be attentive to is quality time with him this next week. And, I, you know, I got in the car on Thursday to, to go spend some time with um, one of the teens. It was Thursday or Friday. And I started praying and I thought, man, I've missed God this week. I've said prayers here and there, I've read scriptures here and there, but I haven't had quality time with him. And, and so what is it for you? Think of one area or relationship where God is calling you to live like Jesus. And your move, your move, this is your move. You know, uh, the angel gave Cornelius a move. He said, you go get servants and you send for Peter. You, you tell him to go the 30 miles to Joppa and bring him here. He put the ball in Cornelius's court. So it's your move. Share that with a friend. Share that area or that relationship with a friend. And then ask yourself, what would Jesus do? And then do that. What would Jesus do? Do that. Okay. So I'm going to invite up um, a friend of mine, Justin Monteclero. We're going to have another South Bay story. And then when we're done with our little interview story, we're, we're going to close out with a prayer. Well, well, we'll pray for communion, and then we have some really cool stuff going on with hope, some announcements. So we'll move from there. So here's Justin. Okay, this is Justin. Good to see you, buddy. Good to see you, too. Um, (laughs) So, Justin is a part of our yams ministry, which he'll describe in a little bit. Um, But I first, I may have met Justin, I may have met you before the winter retreat, the infamous winter retreat, Um, but I'm not sure. If I did, it was in passing, and then he was gone for months after that, but... I I pretty much first met Justin at a winter retreat that we had in our teen ministry uh, three years ago, uh, four years ago, like two and a half. Okay, two and a half. And and up to that point, he had stopped coming to church. He had stopped coming to teen events. His mom had asked me, "What should I do? <laughs> I don't know what to do with my son." And so, uh, Justin, can you tell us about that winter retreat? Going into it, how were you feeling? And then, what happened there? Whew. Okay, sorry, oh man, I am,
0: this is weird, I'm nervous. Uh, <laughs> but, um, let's see, leading into it, uh, ooh, no waterworks, please. Uh, leading into it, I, I think just going in, I felt, actually I didn't want to go in the first place. Um, but that's primarily because I feel like at the time, um, like Dustin said, I decided to, stop going to church um and the main reason for that was because during the time I was very angry and uh bitter at god who just kidding it's coming
1: <laughs>
0: um i was very angry and bitter at god because of just what had happened in my life for the past four to five years leading up to that. Um, But before I ultimately made the decision to stop going to church, um, that was after probably about like three or four years of me uh, being sexually abused by someone in my family. Um, And that action just made me very, very bitter and angry at God because, you know, In my mind, it was like, how can God allow this to happen? But on top of that, how could God allow this to happen with someone that I should be able to trust? Um, uh, um, But yeah, so just leading into camp, uh, I just, I really didn't want to go. My parents told me I was going, but they were out of town. So I was like, just kidding. You can't make me go. Um, but little did I know Eddie was gonna, you know, pick up the burden, pick up the slack of me. <laughs> um, and he just, I remember the day of, he just, he sat outside my house and he was like, he called me up and he was like, Hey bro, I'm here waiting outside. I'm here to pick you up. Granted, I didn't pack anything cause I was not expecting to go. So he sat outside while I got ready, took a shower, packed my things, um, hang over to camp. And whew, I did not know camp was going to change me that much. Uh, Come
1: on, Come
0: on, uh, <laughs> oh,
1: thanks. <laughs>
0: Oh gosh. <laughs> Thanks. Um but going to the camp, um, I think the the main lesson that impacted me was actually a breakout lesson for the guys uh led by Ozzie. Big Ozzy. Um if you know him. But he he did a lesson on Job, which I know it kinda sounds funny that That book is so depressing, and it made an impact on me. (laughs) But the whole lesson was talking about, like, Job being spiritually strong and having a, we're guys, so we were talking about working out, um, having a strong spiritual core for God. Um, And he he went through everything that Job went through, and just how through it all, he never said anything bad about God. And, um, it just really impacted me cause, okay, like I could relate so much, but I went the opposite direction. Okay. Um, but it was also cool because, you know, in the story, um, it's, it says that like Satan came to God and then God was like, Oh, have you thought of my servant? Um, and it just made me, it just exemplified how powerful God is, uh, just to be able to see that, you know, even Satan has to answer to God. Um, Like, the only reason Satan was allowed to touch Job was because God was like, here's my servant, and I love him, but ultimately I want to prove you wrong. (laughs) That's how I saw it. Um, And at the end of the story, Job does just that um whew, man but actually it's funny because the m's had a diva yesterday and we watched a shack <laughs> and who i related the shack to job so much <laughs> um and just judging like what's right from wrong there's actually a scene in the shack if you guys don't know where it's like he's talking to wisdom and wisdom like puts him on the chair and tells him to judge people and I, I can't put myself in that situation, and some of the things were like, oh, do you judge your dad? Um, because in the movie, his dad physically abused him,
1: yeah.
0: and at the end of it, he was like, yeah, he's evil. He should go to hell, but then wisdom shows like an image of his dad's past where his dad was being, ab- being abused. and it just made me think like who am i to judge other people's actions without knowing what they've been through
1: mm-hmm. and yeah that's <laughs> <laughs> that was a moving winter retreat thanks dude oh gosh i'm grateful you're here grateful you went to that winter retreat okay so you mentioned the yams what, is, what does YAMS mean? What is that acronym? And what are you grateful for about being in that ministry? Uh, yeah, so, whoo.
0: okay. Uh, the YAMS are the young adults, uh, or YAMS is the young adult mis- ministry. Um, and we're pretty much everyone in between or out of high school in, like, college years, whether you're actually going to college or you're taking a year off or you're signed to work. Um. And what was the second part? What, are you grateful? what am I grateful for? Uh, I think I'm grateful for the ministry because it's just really a ministry full of family, uh, full of growth, and I think full of dreamers. Mm-hmm. Why is this making me cry? What the heck? <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah um and i think i'm really grateful for the ministry because mainly for the the dreamer side of everyone um i think that a majority of everyone in our ministry wants to just see god's will be done um but also just be able to serve god and In different ways. I know that at least half of us are thinking of helping out in the ministry later on in the road, whether it be actually serving in the the ministry or leading small groups or leading uh, studies, so on and so forth. But I think I'm really grateful for just how everyone in the ministry wants to be there, but also like wants to be there because God's calling them to be there Mm -hmm. um and okay shout out to my boy Isaac um (laughs) you know what one day we were like at a Devo and he was like I really love the yams more than the teens because everyone chooses to be here um and I think that that's the main thing that I'm grateful about in the yams is that everyone that's there is there because they want to be there um And because they want to get to know God more, um, get to see God, and just love each other and love everyone that we come in contact with.
1: Amen. That's awesome. Okay, so we're going to be talking about hope today. We're going to have a video and some announcements about hope. And you've been, uh, you've gone to, is it Wayfinders? Yeah, right? it's Wayfinders. With, um, hanging out with foster kids there. Can you tell us about that experience and what you see God doing there? Uh,
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> um, so actually, I wanted to, I, I pulled a scripture aside for this one. Um, okay. And uh, the scripture is John 13, verses 34 to 36. I'm pretty sure a lot of you know it. Um, It says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my my disciples if you love one another. Simon and Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Um, And... The Wayfinders is just a time for anyone willing to serve by hanging out with foster youth. Um, and this scripture really resonated to me, and I thought of it um, for this, like, area that you could help volunteer in. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, all of it, the volunteering, helping out with the foster kids and hanging out with them is just to love them. Um to show that in a world where it could feel like everyone's against you, there are people that don't even know you that are willing to love you, um, that are willing to be there for you. Um, And, you know, I I love the end where uh, Peter's like, where are you going? And then Jesus is like, you can't go where I'm going right now, but you'll follow later. Um, Because in my mind, it's like Jesus is moving on, but he's telling us to continue his work. And I feel like this is one way to help show your love for just random people, um, but also just to follow in Jesus' own footsteps, you know. I feel like the foster youth is very easy to forget and even more of a reason to go, right, you know, because Jesus went to the people who were put aside, who were forgotten, Um, and I think that it just gives a lot of opportunity for growth in not only the youth, but in yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, I know one memorable moment for me was I was playing basketball with, like, probably, like, three guys outside on... Oh, man, this hoop was so ghetto. (laughs) It was, like... It was stood up, but every time you, like, touch it, it, like, falls over. Um, But I was playing, and I remember just... The guys, they're like bagging on each other as guys do, Um, but like it, it sort of escalated over time and just after a while, I stepped in and I was like, "Hey guys, why are we like? Why are you guys doing this? What what what's causing you to guys? What's causing you guys to do this?" And after a while, I could see them like changing how they acted. I remember they were cursing a lot, and I was like, "Hey, why are you cursing? That's so foolish." And like every. After I said that, like everyone stopped cursing. It was pretty amazing, but it it's just awesome to see the impact that we can have on the youth because it's so obvious to see how they're hurting um and how they act because of the hurt. um and I think it's just great to you know, even if it's just a little bit, it's something that will that they'll remember um
1: and that will help them later on the road. That's awesome. Well, thank you for sharing, Justin. appreciate just those snippets of your story uh, that you shared with us. And, um, yeah, one one thing I I really appreciate about you, just even in terms of the YAMS ministries, Justin has been uh, the only guy... For a lot of his time in the yams ministry he's super grateful for Isaac we're all grateful for Isaac you know it. joining in as well <laughs> but there were periods of time where it was Justin and six girls <laughs> and and he was still there he was leading he was uh he he had a heart full of joy and and he wanted more guys there but it didn't affect the way that he uh led in the standard of Christ so really appreciate you and the example that you have set. Um, so we're gonna, I'm going to have Justin pray for communion. Uh, as, we, as we take the bread and, and the juice representing Jesus, his body and his blood um, shed for us, I want you guys to think about how, how is God calling you to the standard of Christ today? Uh, what area? Uh, maybe, maybe some of Justin's stories inspired you, but let's consider that as, as we take communion. Okay, Um, yeah, let's pray. Uh, Dear God, I just want
0: to thank you for this day, Lord, just being able to come to church, Lord, and be able to be with our spiritual family, Lord, Um, just being able to be with people who love you and just be able to see a glimpse of you and everyone here, Lord. Uh, I just want to pray for this time just that we can meditate on you, Lord, meditate on how you have sacrificed for us, God, just how you've spilled your blood, on the cross just to bathe us and cleanse us of everything that we have done, Lord. Um, I know everyone here is grateful for you and what you've done for us, God. Um, and yeah, I rambling and it <laughs> says, so pray, amen.
1: Thanks for listening to the South Bay church podcast
0: for other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church. Please visit
1: southbaychurch.us.